Amen. Aren't you glad the answer is Jesus Christ? The answer is not a religion. The answer is not a denomination. It's not a church. It's not a family. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Praise the Lord for that. Well, we're so glad to have Brother Randy Dignan and, uh, with us this week. And he'll be preaching, of course, at all the services. And um, uh, just what a, what a privilege to be able to have him and his wife. Um, God's just been using him in a great way. Our teenagers are familiar with him. They've uh, heard him preach at many of the youth conferences and camps and things and uh, been able to hear him preach and follow him, his ministry, for a number of years. And uh, he was supposed to be here with us three years ago. Uh, but three years ago, uh, the world decided to have a, an outbreak of something called covid and it kind of put a hold on a lot of things. And so uh, Brother Dignan was so gracious to reschedule with us and to be with us this week. And so we're so glad to have him and his wife with us. Brother Dignan, you come and uh, introduce yourself, your wife, and uh, make sure you say something about your book uh, as well. We're so glad to have you here. Bless you. Amen. We'll you Amen. I got my notes. I got, hug. I got my notes. So I can go ahead and get a hug. And uh, that's a blessing. Man, it's good to be here. That's some good singing. Good. Y'all sing good for Yankees. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Um, I got to turn my mic on, don't I? Yeah, Brother Shane, I'm sorry. There we go. I think you can hear me now. Um, my wife was uh, born in Pennsylvania, your neighboring state, and so I got saved in Pennsylvania, but I'm uh, originally a southern boy. I was born in Florida, so I like grits while y'all like cream of wheat, amen. But anyway, it's good to be here. Looking forward to a great week, and uh, y'all, I tell you what, I've already been blessed by the marriage retreat, and uh, it's just, it's been a sweet spirit already so far, and just being around your pastor and his wife has just been amazing. We're really excited about Revival, I love it. Marriage retreat was the first time we'd actually officially ever done a full-fledged retreat. And so I was nervous about it. It was my first time. Now I'm back more in my element. You know, I, I uh, love revivals and especially having teenagers present. That's more my element. My name is Randy Dignan. Uh, just a brief testimony so you know who I am. I'll say more about my testimony as the week goes on, which means you've got to be here. All right? And, uh, but I, I was born into a home with deaf parents in 1975 in the state of Florida, and I was blessed to have a deaf mom and a deaf dad. I didn't know at the time how, what a blessing it would be, but later on when God would save me at the age of 18, um, I'd realize what a blessing it was. But my, not only are my parents deaf, my grandparents are deaf, my great-grandparents were deaf, uh, my sister is deaf, my aunts and uncles are all deaf, uh, and my, uh, my I have a niece right now that's deaf. So five generations of deafness now in my family, and we even had a deaf dog growing up. That's how much deafness we had. And uh, I grew up in the deaf world, and my dad taught in a lot of deaf schools across the country and deaf uh, universities that trained interpreters. And so deaf culture, I grew up bicultural, bilingual all my life, which I'm thankful for. Uh, in fact, we're even hoping maybe to possibly get some deaf out this week. And in fact, if any of you know deaf people that live here in, in this area, I have some free time. I asked preacher already throughout Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I, I'd be glad to go visit them at their house and uh, introduce myself to them and try to get them to come to the services. And then you can see me preach inside at the same time, which is a pretty neat experience because you do not know which language you use. And it's better for me as a big boy. I burn double the calories when I preach inside at the same time. And so my Apple Watch always says I do. And so, but, uh, but I was born into deaf home, grew up, uh, became a pretty successful football player in high school, won two state championships and was a first team all state player. And, Division one recruit to play for some some big colleges. Really excited about that, dreaming about all that. But in my heart, I was empty. I was empty. I had been sprinkled as a baby because that's what they told my par- deaf parents to do f- to me and my brother when we were little. And uh, and then I was baptized three more times after that. Growing up, just confused about religion. And I learned quickly that religion doesn't do anything for us. It takes Jesus Christ and His finished work. And having a relationship over religion was the game changer, the life changer, an eternity changer for me. 
And so I ended up going to a Division II school in the state of Pennsylvania. I got a scholarship to play there. became a starter my first year with the hopes of transferring to Penn State University just down the road. I had some letters from Joe Paterno back in that day, and that was my dream. That was my plan. But God did something. He disrupted my life. And there in that town where I was playing college football, I met a preacher, five foot four inches tall, who became the greatest giant in my life. One of my heroes, Pastor Jim Klein, who preached the gospel to me. And for the first time, I understood it here. And I came to Jesus Christ and got saved in July of 1994, 18 years old, one month and 11 days before I turned 19 years old. Went straight to Bible college and uh, met my beautiful wife there. This is my wife, Janelle. Would you stand up real quickly? My beautiful wife, Janelle. We've been married 25 years this past summer. And, um, <clears throat> and so I squeezed four years into three. I wanted to graduate as soon as I could and get in the ministry. And in May of 1998, at the young age of 22 years old, less than four years after I was saved, that crazy church in Jefferson City, the capital of Missouri, voted a young preacher in as pastor, and it's been a great ride. This May will be 25-year anniversary of me pastoring that church, and we built two buildings, and a lot of, a lot of the philosophies and the things you're doing here are very similar to what we're doing out there. Uh, what a blessing it is to see God working in churches all across the country, and he's been so good to us. And so my book, actually the book, I did write a book several years ago, and I dedicated it to my, my three of my favorite people on the planet, my mom, my dad, and my savior, and each chapter talks about an experience growing up in the deaf world and ends with an application to Jesus Christ. And the whole thrust of that book comes from the message that we're going to talk about this morning. And so it is just so good to be here. Now, I will tell you this. I'll probably be the most short-winded revival preacher you've ever heard uh, in, in most, most areas. I mean, I don't preach very long. I'll be respectful of that each evening. And there's a reason. There's several reasons for that. Number one, I, I feel like if I can just preach and get the truth across... Revival really comes after the message at the altar. Uh, revival is, is not sinners getting saved, it's saints getting on fire again. But sinners get saved as a result of saints getting on fire again. And can I just say, America needs revival. You know, our country needs revival, but a re- our country will never have revival unless it starts in the church. And the church won't have it unless it starts in the home, and the home won't have it unless it starts with us. I mean, drawing a circle right around ourselves and asking God to give us revival is what we desperately need. And so I'll be definitely respectful of your time. But I would ask, I plead with you as a church to be here to support your pastor and to pray and ask God to give us personal revival that we might make a difference in this world. As I said, I don't preach for long. I was reminded of the story of uh, there was a Baptist and a Methodist and a Lutheran one time. They were all debating over who, who the greatest preacher was from each of those denominations. So they decided to have a contest and they went out in the woods and they got a skunk. And they put the skunk in a little shed, an old beat-up shed out there, and said, whoever can preach the longest to the skunk um, is declared the greatest preacher of all. So the Lutheran said, I'll go in first. And he walked in there, that shed, while the Baptist and Methodist waited down. He preached for about five minutes, and he busted that door open and said, I can't take any more of this. So the Methodist said, I can do it, man. I got the Wesley brothers in my heritage. He went in there, and he lasted 10 minutes, and he busted the door open, and he said, I can't take any more of that. The Baptist went in there and started preaching. Five minutes passed, 10 minutes passed, 30 minutes passed. 45 minutes, the door busted open. The skunk came out and said, I can't take any more of that. So we, uh, we want to definitely be respectful of your time. I want you to have a good spirit and not be madder than a mosquito in a mannequin shop. And so we'll have a great time this week. Some of you will catch that by slow freight. But uh, the Lord is so good. Great singing. I, that was the whole stances. That four of the six kids, right? That's awesome. My family sings a lot. We have, uh, they sing all across the country. And I, they don't let me sing. I sign. I signed for them. They S-I-N-G-I-S-I-G-N. I wish I could sing. I, my daughter always says I sing on harmony by accident. Uh, I don't even know who Melody is yet, so I just gave up on learning how to sing. I heard she's a nice girl, but anyway, praise the Lord for that. So John chapter 7, John chapter 7. The book is available back there. They're 10 bucks a piece. If you can't afford one, just take one. We want that book to get out. It has the truth. The last chapter, chapter 12, gives a clear 
presentation of the gospel in it. So if you have a lost person, it's a great opportunity to say, hey, a lost family member you know, hey, uh, have you ever been interested in the deaf world? Check this book out. And at the end, they will read the gospel. The gospel is in chapter 12. I give a little bit of my testimony of salvation and how my deaf uncle, who's a missionary in Ecuador, who knows the Stenses family, um, made a difference in getting me to the cross. And so praise the Lord for that. If you don't mind, you're able to, let's go and stand and stretch our legs one more time and let's read the scriptures together here in John chapter number 7. And we're going to read verses 40 through 46, if that's okay. Look at your neighbor real quickly and say, I'm glad you're here. Isn't that a blessing? Isn't that a blessing? And look at your other neighbor and say, I'm glad. Go ahead, look at your other neighbor and say, I'm glad. I don't look like you. Amen. All right. John chapter 7, man. I'll tell you what, man, your pastor has got a smooth voice. I would love to hear him read the Bible, man. Wouldn't that be cool if Brother Stenson's made a, a Bible reading CD? I'd buy that. Just his voice in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. You know, just like just hearing him read. I think that's an idea. That's on, on, in the midst of all the other projects. You ought to read the Bible, man. Alexander Scurby, now Andrew Stenson. I say, hey, hey, they got the same initials, man. That's something else. All right. All right. Look at this. I'm sorry. Listen to me warn you about something. I'm very ADHD squirrel. I mean, I mean, it's bad. It is bad. OK, so I can go from the other day. My wife and I were driving down the road and. And she said, okay, babe, which subject are we on? You've said five subjects. Which one are we on right now? And I was like, I'm sorry, babe. So it's, it, it, that's what happens when you grow up in a deaf home. All right, look at verse number 40. John chapter 7, verse number 40. We are so glad to be here. Thank you for everything. We're going, it's going to be a great week. The Bible says in John chapter 7, verse 40, it says, Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said, Of a truth, this is the prophet, the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. And some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto them, Why have you not brought him? Look at verse 46. The officers answered. And I want you to read this next phrase with me. Here we go. Ready? Never man spake like this man. Let's say that again. Never man spake. And then verse 47, then answered them the Pharisees, are ye also deceived? Thank you. You may be seated. Father, help us today. Stir our hearts. Thank you for the power of your word, the truth that is in this passage here. And Lord, it does not matter who preaches, but rather the who of the preaching, and that is you. You alone are worthy. And Lord, in this good-sized crowd, it would be dangerous to assume everybody's saved. And Lord, if somebody's not saved today, show them their need for a Savior and let them come to Jesus, please. Thank you for this church, the vision, what you're doing, the, the, the excitement, the, just what's going on, the new building. Just thank you, Lord. I, you don't just give those things by accident. That means something big is coming. I pray, Lord, that we get to see great things in this midst. Help revive us today. Save sinners in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things I think we take for granted sometimes is the fact that we have the Word of God in our laps tonight or this morning. Look down at your lap briefly and just thank God you have the Word of God and your language, in your English language. Several weeks ago, one of my friends came and presented the uh, opportunity of getting the Bible to every single language on this planet. And there's over 2,000 that still do not have a copy of one verse in the Word of God. We desperately need to get the Word of God out. And language is something that I've maybe always appreciated, maybe just a little bit more than the average person because I grew up in a bicultural bilingual world they say that there if you know three languages you are trilingual if you know two languages you're bilingual and if you only know one language you're an american 
And there's a lot of truth to that. I have traveled internationally. I've preached in, in multiple foreign countries. And I'm amazed and when I flew to the Philippines, when I fly to Canada, when I fly to other countries around this world, Ecuador, they'll still have uh, some signs in English because much of this world speaks English. And we've been, we've been blessed to be able to do that. And Missionary Stences was telling me that even in Uganda they speak English. And I preach in the Philippines, which their national language is Tagalog, but many people there speak English. And I was able to preach English there. But we, we forget sometimes that Jesus did not speak English. Jesus spoke different languages. And Jesus, like many in his culture, like many around the world that aren't American, usually know more than one language. I was teasing the marriage retreat. I know three languages. I know English fluently. I know sign language probably more fluently. I know half of Spanish. Anybody here know Spanish? Gloria a Dios. Jesus Cristo mi corazón. Vamos al cielo. Amen. And I hope to preach. Yo quiero predicar en español algún día. I said, I hope to preach in Spanish someday. And then I know half of woman. Um, I have a wife and three daughters, but I'm still learning the language of woman. How many... Come on, man. Don't be afraid to say, man, it's okay. Man, be honest. How many of you are still struggling to learn the language of woman, okay? All right. How many of you women, they, Brother Shane boldly came in and raised his hand. I just want Mrs. Stenson to know that Brother Shane boldly wanted it to be known that he did. And how, <laughs> I love that guy. And how many of you women uh, struggle to learn the language of man? Go ahead. We won't be offended, okay? Because, yes, I understand. But what language did Jesus speak while he was on earth? What language did Jesus speak? It's a fascinating subject, and I began to research that, and that was, became the heartbeat of this book. Because the Bible here says that when Jesus was preaching controversy, and by the way, it's not that Jesus was preaching controversy. You don't want to know what Jesus was preaching? You want to know what Jesus always preached? You ready for this? Truth. And it's amazing that the truth can be controversial. We live in a world now where the truth is controversial. But may I remind you that America desperately needs the truth now more than ever before. The truth apologizes to no man. And when it's all said and done, the truth is undefeated. The truth will always beat any lie, no matter how big or small or strong the lie thinks it is. The truth will prevail. And that's why Jesus is the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so Jesus is preaching the truth. He's ruffled some feathers. He stirred the pot. People are offended. The Pharisees are mad again, or really they're just downright jealous of Jesus. And so they send some officers to arrest Jesus Christ. We're going to do away with him. We're going to get rid of him. And the Bible tells tells us that they come back empty-handed. And when they were asked why, they simply said, never man spake like this man. They did not imply that Jesus spoke some strange language. They did not say that he spoke some foreign language that nobody knew. They just said the statement that never man spake like this man. So what language did Jesus speak while he was alive on earth? There was four languages, according to Google, that he spoke. Like, Google's always right, right? But, but I did research it out, and he did speak four different languages. He spoke Greek, Aramaic, Hebrew, and Latin, which is a father language to many of our languages today. It's considered a dead language now, but he spoke fluently those four languages. But it was not what he preached or the language that he spoke, but rather how he spoke it that made a difference. You see, if I were to ask you today, how many of you know more than one language? Would you raise your hand? Hillbilly does count. I know we got some hillbillies in here. Amen. Uh, uh, how many of you actually, seriously, some of you do know Spanish? Raise your hand if you know Spanish. Wonderful. Anybody else know another language besides English and Spanish? What language? U- Ukrainian, Russian. Wow, that's such a beautiful language. Would you mind saying something in that? Just saying hello, how are you? Am I, I don't mean to put, it, put you on the spot. Pardon, say it again. Wow. Isn't that amazing? I, I'm just intrigued by language. I think that's amazing. I saw another hand over here. 
Yes. Yes, sir. You speak what? Oh, you know sign language? Wonderful. We'll have to catch it. You know four different sign languages? Really? We'll have to talk. We, we can sit here and talk about the church in front of their faces and make fun of them, and they won't even know what we're saying. Man. That's awesome, man. He does. And he really does know sign Some people, Sometimes people say that he actually does know sign language. I appreciate that. All right. Thank you, sir. What else? I saw another hand. Yes, ma'am. You know Japanese? Oh, wow. Could you say something? Wow. What did you say? What's your name? <laughs> Amen. My name is Randy. Nice to meet you. All right. Wow, that's amazing. You've already, so you, you never, you never, you, it's amazing what you, you don't know that in your church you have people that speak different languages. Is there any more? Anybody else? Yes, sir. A little, A little bit of French. Yeah, I think you brought that up the other day. Go ahead, go ahead and say what you said the other day. I think you said bon. Okay. How are you? Bonjour. Amen. All right. Oui, oui. Yes. Amen. I mean, so language is, is, is an amazing thing. And we forget sometimes that Jesus communicated the language that was necessary to the crowd in which he was preaching to. And we thank God that the Old Testament, which was written in Hebrew and ended up getting translated to English, and then the Greek New Testament was translated in English so that we had the luxury of reading the Bible today. But I want to submit to you something different today that made Jesus different and set him apart which is why the officer says i'm not going to arrest him and here's why jesus though he was fluent in those four languages that we aforementioned he spoke heart language he spoke heart language what does that mean preacher i'm glad you asked much of language and language is actually spoken from the mind everything is mind it's from the neck up we we hear it we speak it and we read it and of course we can't write it to their hands but mostly it's up here But Jesus did something so fascinating, so powerful, so intriguing. When he preached, when he taught, just like the religions of the world, the religions will preach religion from here, and it's only heard here. When I was told to get baptized three times, I heard it here, and it registered here, but it never went down here. But when Jesus preached, when he stood to preach the Bible, when he preached the truth, when he preached the word of God, he preached from here. And when somebody preaches from here, it is not heard up here, it is heard in the heart. And that is the game changer, my friend. You see, for the first time in my life, when a preacher preached from his heart and he preached about a Savior, the Son of God, who died on the cross and shed his blood for me, it wasn't, it wasn't like I had, didn't know that. I had heard that here before, but something happened different that day. It registered right here, and I finally understood that Jesus Christ died for me, shed his blood for me, and he rose again from the dead for me. And I realized that the baptisms were not going to do it. And all All those things I had trusted in were not going to do it. And Jesus Christ became my personal Savior. And I got saved, praise God, because of heart language. Heart language, my friend, is the game changer today. So number one, I want you to think about that thought. Jesus spoke heart language. In the book of John, you'll see heart language peppered all the way through. Those of you that know your Bibles know that the, that the book of John has a lot of red letters in it if you have a red letter edition Bible because Jesus speaks more than John than he does the other three Gospels. He just consistently preaches and teaches the word of God and he talks about himself so much as the son of God and gives us that hope and he speaks from his heart and his heart is evident in, not just in his words but in his actions because in John chapter 3, he 
demons, Nicodemus in the middle of the night. In John chapter 4, he goes after the woman at the well. And one chapter apart, someone of clout, someone who's famous, to a woman at the well who nobody even knew her name, to John chapter 5, a man laying by a pool, to John chapter 6, taking a young man's uh, fish and hush puppies and feeding the multitudes of people, to John chapter 8, the woman who's caught in the act of adultery, to John chapter 9, the blind man, to the end of the book of John, restoring Peter. Hallelujah. Jesus was a master communicator because he was fluent in heart language. May I say to you today, this world needs more heart language. How we say what we say makes a difference to who we say it to. Let me say it again. How we say what we say to who we say makes a difference to who we say it to. What are you saying, preacher? I'm simply saying that we live in a generation now. That is so reactive instead of proactive. We are so famous and notorious for speaking with motions and passion sometimes. We are speaking in anger. Our marriages aren't communicating in heart language. As a parent, we're not utilizing heart language. And I'm telling you, our homes could have revival. Our churches could have revival. Sinners would come and get saved. If we would pepper our preaching and pepper our lifestyles and salt our, 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 our interactions with people with just a little bit more heart language. You see, when you begin to use heart language on a regular basis, it leads to the second thought today, and that is to start to speak helpful language. Helpful language. Can I ask you a question today? Do you know somebody in your community, someone in your family, someone at your workplace today that needs some help? Hey, can I ask you another question? Do you need some help sometimes? Can I testify? I need some help sometimes. And we live in a day and age when people today desperately need help. And they're getting frustrated and they're getting discouraged and they're getting bitter because the government isn't helping them. And and education isn't helping them. And a lot of times society isn't helping them. And we have some people in this room that are from the older generation. And I say this so respectfully. And I believe many of you would testify and agree to this statement. I'm kind of in that middle-aged group now at the age of 47 years old. But you probably don't even recognize the country that you were born into and you probably never dreamed that America would become what it is today and America is a nation of young people and middle aged people and older people that are screaming all the time help help I need help why do we need revival because this world needs help why do we need revival because Eaton needs help why do we need revival because Jefferson City needs help this world needs help the woman at the well was journeying up that hill all the time to get her water one day she met Jesus and when she met Jesus, hallelujah, John 4, verse 14, the Bible says, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up in everlasting life. Jesus was the master helpful helper. Thank God today that Jesus Christ is still in the help business. He wants to help you. He wants to help your family. He wants to help your marriage. He wants to help your children. He wants to help your parents. He wants to help your neighborhood. He wants to help people you care for. He wants to help people that you love. That's just the way the Savior is. He was so consumed with heart language. All he wanted to do was help people. If somebody was blind, Jesus was going to help them. If somebody was hungry, Jesus was going to help them. If somebody was poor, Jesus was going to help them. If somebody was tired, Jesus was going to help them. He's a master at heart language and he was very good at helping people. Can I testify today? He sure has helped me. He's given me a lot of help through the years. I've struggled sometimes in this Christian walk. I've fallen and felt like I couldn't get back up, but thank God he was there to help me. When Peter walked on water and started to drown, he was there to help him. Hallelujah. Thank God. God today. Jesus Christ is a great helper and America needs his help again. And China needs his help. And Italy needs his help. And Canada needs his help. The world needs the help of Jesus Christ. And thank God we can help him with that help if we get fluent in heart language. Number one, Jesus spoke heart language. 
Number two, Jesus spoke helpful language. Number three, I love this one. Jesus spoke hopeful language. Now, I want you to take your Bible and look at John chapter 8 with me real quickly. We should be still open there right next. Hang it right one chapter. John chapter 8. May I say to you today that we live in a society where people desperately need hope. Oh, my soul, they need hope. I just had a preacher email me the other day. He said, I've got such a burden, such a burden to give hope because suicides are now at an all-time high. And he asked me to contribute a video that would help him as he makes a, he's making a collage of videos that he can just give to people that feel like they're, that all they can do, the only thing left to do in life is to take their life. And may I just say this today, if you're watching online or if you're in the crowd today, listen to me. If you're thinking of those thoughts, come get some help. There's hope for you today. Jesus loves you and we love you. And this church cares about you. And this church loves you. And I know this world's so full of hate, but I got good news today. Love is greater than hate. And this world's so full of darkness, but I got news for you today. Light is greater than darkness. And I got news for you today. This world is so cold, but warmth is greater than cold. It's cold outside, but thank God when you crank that heat up, the heat defeats the cold. Thank God the light defeats the darkness. And thank God love defeats the hate. This world needs hope. And here is Jesus shaking the things up, sending shockwaves into eternity, into the spiritual kingdoms by giving hope to somebody who was in a very hopeless state. Look at me in verse number one. The Bible says Jesus went into the Mount of Olives and early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came unto him and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very, next word. What was in the very what? Look at your neighbor and say, very act. Listen, listen, listen. I got a question for you today. If she was caught in the very act, where's the man at? Where's the man at? Huh? Isn't that interesting? Watch what the Bible says. Now Moses, verse 5, in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. Many people like to wonder and debate what Jesus wrote. Some say he may have written out some Old Testament laws. Some people say he might have started writing down the list of sins of those accusers. I think he was writing down football plays. <laughs> I think he was getting ready to play backyard football with his disciples, and he was telling John, I want you to do a five and out, and Peter, I'm going to hit you on the drag across the middle. All right? But anyway, those of you who know football know the terminology, but anyway. But the Bible says he was writing in the sand. And I love what verse 6 says. It says this, they, they said, tempting him that they might accuse him. Of course, Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Verse 7. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them. Here it is. Here it is. He's about to speak. This woman is hopeless. She's condemned. The law of Moses, the books of Moses say she's supposed to be stoned. There's no hope for this woman. She's going to die today. She was caught in the very act. There's no hope for this woman. There's no chance of survival. There's no chance of respite. There's no hope except Jesus. Hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. When Jesus shows up, all of a sudden, the hopeless get hope. Hallelujah. And the Bible says here, they asked him, he says, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Oh, ooh. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst. 
And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. By the way, let me just say this. A lot of people that are on the more liberal side of Christianity will say, See, Jesus was so gracious and so kind and so understanding toward her sin. He did not condone her behavior. We live in a very lopsided portrayal of God in America today. It's either all wrath and no love or all love and no wrath. It's all holiness and no love or all love and no holiness. God is a perfect, balanced God. Jesus Christ, John 1, 14, full of, ready for this, grace and truth. Jesus is not shying away from the truth here. Jesus is still going to preach the truth, but he also exercised a lot of grace. And as he looks at this woman and says, has anybody condemned you? Verse number 11. And she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, here it is. Here's the hope. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Oh, thank God for hope. If you're lost today, there's hope. If you've been trusting in religion today, there's hope. If you're lonely today, there's hope. If you're sad today, there's hope. If you're discouraged today, there's hope. If you feel like you're not going to make it anymore, there is still hope. The Son of God knows what's coming tomorrow. He knows what's coming next week. Don't quit. Hang in there. Don't let go. God's got some plans. The sun's going to rise again. Spring is going to come. Spring is going to come. I didn't even bring a jacket because I saw it was supposed to be warm this week. And I get up this morning, it's like 12 degrees outside. I was like, where am I? <laughs> this isn't Alaska. This isn't Canada, right? But listen to me, there's hope. There's hope. And when you become a master of heart language, not that we'll ever master, but we can sure try to be. It's amazing how much help you'll give to people. And it's amazing how much hope you'll give to people. Finally, number four, I love this one. I love this one. And I, I get a little excited this one. So I'm just going to warn you right now. I get a little Baptist on this one. Jesus spoke heart language. Jesus spoke helpful language. Jesus spoke hopeful language. Find number four, I love this one. Jesus spoke heavenly language. He spoke heavenly language. What was so amazing about Jesus when he came to this earth is that he, he literally, we always say he left heaven and came to earth, but I, I really feel like he took heaven with him to earth. He became the epitome of heaven on earth. He had the glory of heaven as he ministered on earth. He is the son of God and he is God. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Hallelujah. To them gave he power to become the sons of God. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting Everlasting, heavenly language. Harry, you ready for this? Everlasting life. John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, Nicodemus introduces the scene by saying, wow, you're a great master, you're a great rabbi, you are somebody. And immediately Jesus is in his concern about what Nicodemus thinks of him. He says, you cannot enter the kingdom of God lest you be born again. And then in John chapter 3, verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Hallelujah. In John chapter 3, verse 7, marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. If you're watching online, if you're here in the building and you're not saved Today. I've got news for you. Jesus preached heavenly language. So many people hope to make it to heaven. So many people think they're going to make it to heaven. But thank God today, I know I'm going to heaven. I know I'm going to heaven. Heavenly language was the game changer. I already told you I was sprinkled as a baby. The world today is full of many churches for the hearing and many other different groups of people. 
but very little for the deaf. The deaf are the third most unreachable people group on the planet, and they're number one most unreached people group in America. And I grew up in a home with deaf parents. My mom and dad got saved, actually, when I was two or three years old. My uncle led them to the Lord. He had just gotten saved, and he's now a missionary, 40-year veteran missionary. He led my mom and dad to the Lord. And my parents immediately got convicted and said they need to be in church. And I was about two or three years old at the time. My brother was one. He pastors in Texas right now. My baby sister, she wasn't born yet. My parents immediately started to go to church. But the only churches that had deaf ministries were churches that did not preach the truth. That's why I was sprinkled as a baby. I don't even remember that. I was baptized three times growing up. We went to this church and that church. We lived in Florida twice, California twice. We moved 31 times. We've been all over the country. My dad was not in the military. He couldn't be because he's deaf. He was just so popular as an educator for the deaf. He was in high demand. It was so rare to see a deaf man teaching deaf children. And he had two master's degrees. And it was so impressive to the hearing world. They're like, man, we got to bring this deaf guy to our school. And then he'd come to those schools and he'd try to institute some change for the deaf. And the hearing people would get mad and kick him out. And he'd have to go to the next school. And we moved a lot. My dad was a pioneer for the deaf, fighting battles for the deaf. I talk about that a lot in my book. And every time we went to some new town, my mom and dad, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but I grew up in a good home. My parents were great parents. They loved me. They raised me right. Thank God for them. Very strict, old school. And I'm telling you, I told the marriage retreat, you ain't lived till you've been disciplined by a deaf dad. <laughs> my friend Kenny Baldwin says, you ain't lived till you've been spanked by a black mama. I'm telling you right now, I can compete with that with a deaf dad. You see, deaf folk, people say all the time, man, deaf people, man, was it like growing up in a deaf home? Was it real quiet? Are you kidding me? Deaf people are the noisiest people on this planet. They can't hear themselves making noise and they make more loud noise, which means when my dad spoke to me, my brother, or yelled at us, it was so loud. The whole neighborhood say, "Uh oh, the Dignan brothers are in trouble again. <laughs> my dad was a strict disciplinarian, but he loved us and he cared for us. And he always thought it was good to be us in church. And hey, in the 70s and 80s and 90s, Americans still went to church. They don't much go anymore nowadays. I mean, the field is ripe right now. Baby, remember 25 years ago when we started passing Jeff City, we knock on doors. People always had a church. Nowadays, they don't go to church anywhere. Praise God. Let's get them in our churches. Amen. If they ain't going nowhere, get them here. Hallelujah. But I was sprinkled as a baby, baptized three times. I finally fell in love with the game of football. In love with it. It became my passion. It became my God. And looking back on it, I thank God because football kept me out of a lot of trouble. It kept me from the immoral lifestyle. It kept me from drugs and alcohol. I mean, I had my heart set on playing big time football. It was my passion. And I remember being a high school teenager and asking God as a sinner, God, would you reveal yourself to me? And I had a Jehovah's Witness classmate invite me to the Jehovah's Witness Church or whatever they call it. And I went. You know, I went because he invited me and I just prayed that prayer. And I went one time, one time. And I left and said, this ain't it. And a few weeks later, a Mormon classmate of mine invited me to his Mormon service, whatever they do. I went one time and said, nope, this ain't it either. I knew it wasn't right. And I was lost. And you know what? A Baptist never invited me. I would have probably went if someone would have invited me. I even had a teammate who was one of those Holy Ghost Crusaders. I didn't know what that was back then. And he said, hey, you and your brother. My nickname was Diggy. I, I was always known as Diggy. My last name was Diggy. They called me Diggy. Diggy the football player. Diggy, you and your brother Nick got to come to this Holy Ghost Crusade. I went to this tabernacle tent kind of makeshift thing, and there's people all over the place, and it was there in Kentucky. I was 16, 17 years old, my junior or senior year in high school. I don't remember exactly the year. And there we were. We sat down in the front row. Me and my brother sat right down here in the front together, and the pastor even said, the Dignan brothers are here. And uh, the, the church was like, yeah. And he said, would you two like to meet the Holy Ghost? We said, sure. Holy Ghost sounds like a cool person. I have no idea who the Holy Ghost is. 
we came to the altar and a very large woman prayed over us to get the Holy Ghost. I was afraid of the Holy Ghost for a long time after that experience. She like laid on top of me, my brother. If you don't believe me, call my brother right now. He can testify. And I left that tabernacle once again. Lost. Frustrated. I had a good home. 4.0 student, almost 3.9 student in school. Scholarship boxes full of scholarship offers from colleges all over the country. Life's supposed to be going great, but I was empty right here. Those three baptisms just didn't do it, Brother Stensis. That church membership just didn't do it. I don't even remember the sprinkling, and my parents would bring it up oftentimes. Even though they were saved, they would still say, but you did that. And I would, I would even talk to my parents about this. And they'd say, well, Uncle Ray said something about accepting Jesus in your heart. And I said, well, I, I kind of tried that, but it never really made sense to me. But one day, whoo, hallelujah. Here it comes. Hallelujah, Prince. Woo, hallelujah. There it is. One day, let me get dressed again. One day, a preacher preached from a heavenly book. And he told me about a savior who preached heavenly language. And on July 17, 1994, Jesus Christ became my personal savior. And I got born again. And I got saved. I got all the help I needed. I got all the hope I needed. And it's been almost 29 years now that I've been saved by the grace of God. And I thank God for how good he's been to me. How he's blessed me with a wife and a family and a church. God's been so good to me. God has blessed me more than I'd ever dreamed. I never thought that I'd live the life I live. And it's all because of the goodness of God. And now I've learned this heavenly language. It's a game changer. It's a life changer. It's eternity changer. And we need a society of Christians that'll preach heavenly language, live heavenly language, and show this world, Jesus, he's coming back again someday. He's on his way. It could be any moment. Hey, church, wake up. Get fired up. Use heart language. Give up some help. Give him some hope. And tell this world, there's a heaven that's real, and there's a hell that's hot. And thank God, Jesus Christ can save you from hell and give you a place in heaven. I thank God I'm saved. I've failed him many times. More times than I want to admit. But he's never failed me. The Savior is real. So they sent him. They came. There he is. He's going to speak right now. You got the shackles? I got them. As soon as he's done preaching, we're resting him. You got the money the Pharisees gave you? Oh, yeah, we got it right in my bag. And he starts preaching. Something happened. The Bible says here, those officers started looking at each other and said, hey, I ain't arresting that man. You? Oh, I ain't arresting that man. Yeah, but we got to go back and tell the Pharisees we didn't catch him. I know. I'm, I'm more afraid of him than I am them. This guy's real. He's preaching something different. You ever heard anybody speak like that before? No, I've never heard anybody speak like that before. And they were willing to go back and incur the wrath of the Jewish leadership because they simply had this to testify about Jesus. Never man spake like this man. Oh, I thank God for heart language. I'm glad he loved me when I thought I was unlovable. I'm glad he forgave me when I thought I was unforgivable. I'm glad he gave me hope when I thought it was hopeless. Today, my friend, can I ask you, to enter the school 
the university, the college, the institute of heart language. So that we might show this world help, hope, and heaven. Heads about as you're close. Thank you for listening so well this morning. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. All this building, I, I'll turn it over to Brother Stensis soon. But let me just ask this question today before we before we move on. Boy, it's just such an honor to be here today, and I'm thankful for this church and the vision and the passion you all have for the Lord. And again, if you're visiting today, if this is your first time visiting today, please don't judge this church on me. Okay, come back and hear the real pastor next week, and it'll be a blessing to you. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, can I ask you this very simple question, just to be honest? It's time to be a little bit personal when it comes to salvation because so many people today think they're saved, but they're really not. And I can relate to that. And with our heads bowed and eyes closed today, I wonder if someone would say, Preacher, I'm not sure that I'm going to heaven someday when I die. I'm not sure that I've been saved. And I don't know if you keep your online services are still going right now. Sometimes our church cuts them off with the invitation. But if you're watching online and you need to be saved, put a message in there and say, call me, talk to me. But if you're in this building today and you're not sure you're saved and say, preach, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. Would you pray for me? Here's my hand. I want you to pray for me. Nobody's looking. I just want you to pray for me today. Is there anybody out there in the building today? Just quietly lift up your hand and put it back down. Anybody out there in the building today? Salvation is the most important decision you'll ever make. We're talking about eternity here. Forever and ever and ever. Anybody here today, preach, I'm not sure I'm saved. Pray for me. Here's my hand. All right. I'm going to turn over to Brother Stences in just a second, but could I ask you this question real quickly, please, today? Would you join me and make an attempt to learn heart language, to go to the school of heart language, to communicate with heart language? Because somebody you know today needs you to talk to them like Jesus, to speak heart language. Thank you. I wonder with our heads bowed and eyes still closed for a moment. Maybe this morning God's speaking to your heart, and you know there's something specific. Maybe it's in maybe it's in your speech. You just haven't been showing Christ in your speech and your actions. Maybe as a Christian this morning, you've just, you just haven't been living the life that Christ wants you to live. You haven't been faithful to what he wants you to do. And because of that, it's affecting others around you as well and not being able to see Christ. Is God speaking to your heart about something this morning? Why don't we stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? The piano's going to play softly. If God spoke in your heart this morning, why don't you come? You can kneel right here at the altar, right there in your chair. Would you be willing to learn heart language? Say, God, I want to, I want to be able to share you with others. I want to give them hope. I want to be able to help those around that need help. Do you understand that there are those that you know nobody else in this building knows? And you're the only one that's going to be able to reach them.
you ask God to help you to show them that there is hope in Christ? Be that witness that he would have you to be. Christian, if, if you're not living right for the Lord, maybe now's the time to, to come back and say, Lord, I need to get some things right with you. I've been faithful to you, Lord. Would you be obedient to what God has for you this morning? Friend, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, we'd love to take the Word of God and show you how you can be saved. You can put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ.